0: Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falconslide from Screen. Falcons we are fresh off the Oscars and we are joined by Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. Yo, 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 yo. Freelance writing critic for Nehru. Hello, everyone. And joining us back on the panel from the Limerick Review, also Fresh off a massive <laughs> screening of the ceremony, Lisa Maloof. Lisa, welcome back to Film Fight Club. Thanks for having me back, guys. So we will be talking about Game Night later in the program. It is in cinemas now. We love David Fincher. This is a David Fincher parody, as I as that's how I would describe it. But first, we are talking about Hollywood's Night of Night. So you're hot off the Oscars. You can get a hot takes while they are hot. It is the biggest film event in Hollywood in the world. And it is the 90th one. It is also, more importantly, my 20th Oscars. I counted. I started watching in 1998. So yes, thank you. Thank you. There
1: wow. You go.
2: That's about the earliest I can remember it as well. I remember when Titanic was sweeping. So I think we're neck and neck
0: yeah that was that was a big time uh, but th- this ceremony actually went longer than Titanic three hours
3: forty five three Something hours 50. Yeah. basically, what Glenn is trying to say is that this is the only time that we are relevant
0: and uh, so please yes, I'm so glad everyone is tuned in, and the Oscars, so the big thing of the night Often, best picture is you kind of know it's sewn up, but this year I think more than any I've heard and seen in recent years, including 2016 when it was pretty open. This is probably was probably the most wide open year. But what won was Guillermo del Toro's *The Shape of Water*, which also took home a number of awards, including best original score and production design. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of awards and costume design as well. The costume design went to *Phantom Thread*. No, no. oh yeah, hey, it was the Good one point. award *Phantom Thread* won. Yay! Do, Good do.
2: movies. It got the bonus because Mark Bridges had the shortest speech, so he took home the jet ski.
0: <laughs> there was a yeah. terrible running gag throughout the ceremony of a jet
3: no, ski. No, no, he he actually won a jet ski. Yeah,
0: yeah I saw a, a real uh, jet ski. Yeah, 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 but it
3: was a terrible running gag as well. <laughs> They're not mutually exclusive. And Helen Mirren
1: doesn't come with it, no. No. Oh, <laughs>
3: yeah. that, that, that would be you smart. mean a terrible, you know, running on the water gag or whatever. I, I, I see what he did there.
1: <laughs> now, I've got to say... I am relieved that The Shape of Water won. I actually did love that film. I loved Call Me By Your Name more, and that was my sentimental favourite. I knew it had no chance, but I wanted it to win. But really, all I wanted was three billboards not to win because I was sure it was going to, and um, I really – even though there's some great performances in it, I really find that film vile. Uh, the, the writing and direction bothers me. There's a, it's so problematic, and I was just so thrilled that it didn't win um, – and uh yeah, that was that was the best news for me.
2: <laughs> I think the Oscars are now very much um being influenced by social justice movements on Twitter, etc. And for that reason, three Billboards could never win. They're never going to have another crash moment, you know, where something wins that's just embarrassingly um, naive about racial politics,
1: but the backlash wasn't big enough for to not get those two acting wins out of four. So it, it wasn't. It could have. I was thinking it could have actually gone either way, like if there was a major backlash. But I guess you know Francis and Sam had been winning awards all through the season.
2: Yeah, that's true, and they're both actors who are considered you know Jew for a first Oscar, or Jew for another or for award, for a second. Yeah, you know, like it's been so long for Francis McDormand, and uh, yeah, I think the moment that. Three Billboards, despite its main um, feature being its script, the moment that it didn't win Best Original Screenplay, I thought, okay, that's it for Shape of Water's Best Picture. Hopes, thank God.
0: Yes. And to be fair, I mean, their performances, McDormand and Rockwell, and it was his first nomination were the best things about the film along yeah, way. Yes, Harrison. I agree with that. As oh,
1: yeah. they're fun- I- I'm not knocking their performances. They were amazing performances. In They did what they could with the terrible script they were given and the direction. Like, I, I really found this... I had so many problems with this film, yes. But
0: but what about McDormand's speech? I think it was maybe the best one of the night.
1: Ah, yes. Now, this is what was interesting was when she won, uh, was it the BAFTA? No, it was the SAG. When she won the SAG, she got up and she said, I want to say something. I'm paraphrasing. I have something to say. Diversity. And I thought, as many did, she was going to talk about representation, people of colour, gender parity, but she was actually talking about her agents. And it was one of those moments of, like, really tone-deaf, please-read-the-room situations, because everybody thought what she was talking about. And it was the old thank you agent. But I think she really redeemed herself here. That was a beautiful moment when she got, for anyone who didn't watch, she got all the female nominees in every category. So the behind, you know, behind the camera, in front of the camera categories, got them all to stand up and the whole audience and you know millions watching around the world cheered them on. And um, I, I thought that was that was a really great moment. I think it was the best part of her speech. It was terrific.
0: It was one of the two moments of the ceremony where my buffering stopped. Oh and no! And I was like, and I just see suddenly everyone like half the crowd is standing up, I like, "Oh, what's what's going on here?" But then I rewatched it later, and it was a lo- it was a lovely moment.
1: And it wasn't just a symbolic moment. She actually mentioned the diversity writer, and now there's a number of and for those who are unfamiliar with that term, basically what it means is if you're powerful enough, usually it's an actor, but a, a director or writer could you don't possibly have this power, you can demand as part of your contract uh, a, a percentage of diversity. So You might say 50% of the crew have to be uh, people of colour or women or whatever category or people with disabilities or whatever the category is. and. People who have that power, if people have the power to do that and enough do it, it'll happen. A few minutes later, I saw Emma Stone was tweeting she's going to do that in her next contract and other people are going to go on. So that's a big that's a big thing she did.
3: It's an interesting thing because inclusion writers have been part of contracts for a long time in the industry business, but I think people just didn't know. I think mm. Frances McDormand acknowledged that she only found out about it last week. Yes. So it's just that it's been part and parcel of this parlance, except that people just haven't enforced it.
0: And speaking of diversity, the other big winner of the night was, of course, Del Toro, who in, I think, one of his speeches commented on how he grew up, he used to watch foreign films. We had to specify that he was referring (laughs) to American films, because obviously did not grow up in America. And he is one of quite a few Mexican directors who have done very well at the Oscars, and he spoke about the need to break down walls and break down barriers in the ceremony, and one of the classiest moments of the... Of, of the night.
3: Yes, the three amigos are now Oscar winners, as uh, they would like to call themselves Inarito, Del Toro, and the, the third one, Coron, of course. <laughs> and- the, the third one,
0: the other guy, for those Seinfeld fans out there.
1: But if you look, I mean, that is just. Unbelievable, statistically. If you you know look at the world population, look at the look at the size of countries, etc., and the budgets of films, uh, Mexico is severely, in a good way, overrepresented there. Like it's just really going so well for
2: these guys. Really helped each other along in terms of producing each other's films and getting each other a foot in in Hollywood.
1: Yeah, how great that your filmmaking mates are all... You know, you're all successful and they can all join in each other's joy of winning. It's beautiful, yeah.
3: Yeah, I'm wondering when that wall comes up, what happens then? Ha, 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 ha.
0: So, Dororo did win the award tonight, but a lot of acting awards we haven't discussed. Um, Best Actor, I think, as expected, went to Gary Oldman, as well as Alison Janney, CJ Craig from the West Wing, winning, winning Best Supporting Actress.
3: Actually, this is a good point, and I'm going to make this a running theme. Uh, the <sighs> acting awards have gone to... Very good performances in extremely mediocre films. You know, The Darkest Hour was a very bad film, but Gary Oldman was very good in it. And similarly, Elton Jani was a decentish performance, but I don't think a stronger suit. In the same way, the best actor picks, I think Sam Rockwell and uh, Mc- McDor- McDormand uh, in Triple Boards uh, didn't quite like it either, so I guess... It's very good acting performances in not so strong films.
1: I agree with you on three billboards. I, I don't find I, Tonya, to be a terrible film. Uh, but I, I do, uh, But sometimes I do, I do know what you mean about a performance transcending the film it's in. And, and in its own context, it's better than it's, what it's in.
3: I think Janie won purely because she was due to win. And I think that's something which I don't really agree with.
2: I was really pulling for Leslie Manville to win, which was never going to happen, because I like it when a character, you know, that I like, as in it's it's a, part, a good part of a good film, wins. It's hard for me to get on board, even if the performance is really good, with something like Sam Rockwell winning for playing a terrible character in a terrible script.
3: I mean, Leslie Manville's reaction shot uh, to the win <laughs> had more expression than Alison Janney's entire performance in Itonia.
1: Well, I thought they were both great, but fair enough. <laughs> So we've talked a lot about
0: the acting awards and the top flight awards, but I want to talk about one, the one I was holding out for, because one of the best cinematographers of all time is Roger Deakins. This was his 40th nomination. It was his first win. I'd just like to read out the other nominations he has gotten, and they are for The Shawshank Redemption, Fargo, (laughs) Kundun, A Brother Where Art Thou, The Man Who Wasn't There, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, No Country, The Reader, True Grit, Skyfall, Prisoners, Unbroken, and Sicario. This is the first time he has won for Blade Runner 2049. I'm so happy. That he was absolutely coming, and he absolutely deserved it.
1: And what was beautiful, he was so gracious in his speech. He, you know, he'd been waiting so long for this win, and all he talked about was his team. Like it was the most beautiful, gracious speech. I thought it was really lovely.
2: He is an incredibly gracious and generous person. From everything that I've read oh, okay. about him, um, he actually, for people who don't know, he runs a website where. As an aspiring cinematographer, you can ask questions, and when he's got time, he actually answers and gives advice.
1: He's sending the elevator back down, like yeah, Jack Lemmon said. That's exactly. beautiful.
2: Um, a great guy. I, I love how, yeah, as you said, he just spoke about his his team and all the people that have supported him, and he went out without notes because God knows he's known for a long time what he's wanted to say at the ceremony. Yes, this um, I don't think Blade Runner 2049 is his strongest work, but I don't think you know, anything particularly popped out in the cinematography field this year, so I think may as well give Roger Deacons his well earned lifetime achievement, Oscar. It was it was really good cinematography.
1: I I was thinking I, I did predict it uh, that he did win, but I was thinking that there was a chance of Shape of Water winning. Yeah. So, me too. But um but yeah, good on him. Go Roger.
0: Good on him. And um I like to talk about what people think of some of the Ones that got robbed tonight. I mean, Dunkirk was tipped as a dark horse for best picture. and Others it did win in a bunch of the technical awards. Um, Phantom Thread, of course, did win best costume design. I think it certainly should have done better. And Baby Driver, as much as they did enjoy Dunkirk, I think it was robbed in some of the sound categories. Yeah,
2: sound and editing could easily
3: have gone to Baby Driver. Those sequences. Uh, I think are... Dunkirk winning three awards was still three more than I was expecting.
0: Oh no! I I think it was I think it was quite technically well done. Um, you know, it's
3: it you was just it's a marvel. Had one bombshell moment on the beach. I'm sorry, you can't give an entire sound Oscar for one scene. That just doesn't make any sense.
2: It had a lot of plane noises and all that sort of thing. I, I guess they like that.
3: <laughs> well, you know what can I tell? I'm not an academy academy water, voter. Voter. Yeah. Ah.
2: On another note, can I just say that this was a terrible, boring ceremony? Oh my god.
1: Well. What's they make such a fuss about who's going to be the presenter? And really, Kimmel, he felt like he was there for about twenty minutes out of the three and a half hours. But what I did like, given my you know love of Golden Age Hollywood, there were I know there always are a significant amount of nods to the past. But a couple of things: there was Eva Marie Saint, that was great, and that was a talking about Edith Head, which was just like heaven for me. Rita Murano wearing the same dress she wore in nineteen sixty two, looking just fabulous. And then a lot of those montages. I know some people didn't like the montages; they thought they dragged the ceremony on. But to me, that's film history, and that's what's that's how we got to ninety years. I agree, and the I love them. I love the montages, even though they did take up a you know quite at, a few minutes. At a
2: time where it seems like people are, talk- you know, the the death of cinema talk has been revived recently, and they almost paid, um, you know, acknowledged that in the ceremony when they were saying, you know, we want to thank you, the people who pay to go and see movies. It was like, yeah, you're a dwindling a dwindling crowd now aren't you you know um hats off to you so it's nice to be reminded of the power of cinema by showing a lot of classic films that mm. you know really are close to people's hearts i agree i think the montages were one of the best parts of the whole ceremony
0: well my favorite is when they followed up with someone who was actually in one of these films and i think it probably the classiest moment of the entire ceremony for the 51st anniversary of Bonnie and Clyde mm-hmm. they brought back Warren Beatty <laughs> and Faye Dunaway to read what was noted as the uh, correct envelope. They showed up a footage of exactly what envelope they would be
3: handing out as the best picture. And they, they got it right read time. it
1: again just to be sure. <laughs> yeah. He sort of showed up. Yes, a thumbs up. That was cute. Yes, I
3: think that was part of the problem because this year everyone was so aware that they didn't want to mess up because of what happened last year. It just felt too safe, too scripted and just dull. Everything was rehearsed to the point of boredom and it just didn't make for good TV.
1: And, and look, and the, one of the things that was on the nose a bit this recurring joke about let's show the normal people, you know, the glamorous Hollywood stars. So when it was last year or the year before, when they had a, a tour guy, you know, people going on a Los Angeles tour, walking through, and then, you know, shaking hands with Merrill and co. And this time... Really, they just did a variation on the same joke, which I was surprised how unoriginal. They went next door and and went shot hot
2: dogs at people. Shot
1: hot dogs at people. Yeah, and look, and I I can imagine if I was in that screening, though, I would be really upset that A Wrinkle in Time got uh, interrupted, which <laughs> I think is disrespectful to Ava. But yeah, exactly. Um, if we meant yeah. to
2: be, it's a ceremony that's meant to be about drawing attention to movies and respecting the film craft, and then they just interrupted at some people's. You know, film screening—that's that's blasphemous. We're yeah. the Church of Cinema, people.
1: So I'm sure they continued it on when the when the stars had left. But it just—it really did seem like—and it's a real easy joke to pull up some redneck guy with a big beard and get him to read off a card with no prep. And it's like not fair to this guy, and and he becomes the you know basically they're just making fun of the regular people and they're you know the glorious Hollywood you know glamour here it is. And I just think it's. I just think it's a bit a bit of a cheap joke
3: and and it doesn't help the perception that the film crowd is elitist that you know <laughs> it only caters to critics and film Twitter and not the normal people out there. Film Twitter right here <laughs> you know what, whatever you know the people like us it, are the snobs it's so out of touch, you know it's like they
2: they've been addressing criticism that they should. Make something that normal people care about, and their response to that is like, "Let's bless the normal people with our beautiful celebrity selves."
0: There wasn't one funny line of it. Had all, I think, it was the diamonds adorning the threshold were all rep- meant to represent humility. And sure, that's hilarious, but <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was it wasn't a great look. Um, look, I, I I agree. The ceremony was quite weak compared to I think there's, I think there's a few years in the past of the twenty I've seen where it's that lackluster. But yeah, the-
2: this was last year's was actually pretty decent. I felt thought, and this was just. Awful. Was there were some
1: moments, though, um, the Ooh. when Ashley Jard, Summer Hayek, and um, Annabella um, Skiora came up, and I loved. You know, it's just sort of like sucked in Harvey. I just really liked that. I really liked that moment. And there, there wasn't as much reference in speeches to Times Up, uh, well,
0: Donald Trump, or any of.
2: This. Yeah, oh, I mean, I was glad few, not to glad hear. I'm glad not to just. I'm glad not to hear that. his
1: name again because I'm so sick of him. But uh, there they wasn't... they opened
2: with some Trump jokes, actually.
0: Right. Yes.
1: Uh, They
3: trumpeted some Trump jokes.
1: (laughs) There you go. There wasn't uh, as much reference as I thought, but I thought that was a lovely moment. And even beforehand, on the red carpet, there was um, uh, there was there were you know a few moments of you know combinations of people who were all you know the um, people who'd been uh, wronged. Wrong is a very weak word for what it was by Harvey. But also, did we see Taraji P Henson speaking to Ryan Seacrest, and she just because obviously there's been allegations about him recently and there was a lot of discussion about whether people should even, uh, actors on the red carpet should even talk to him because he's, there's a cloud over him at the moment regarding these allegations. And she spoke to him but she was just did a real mic drop and just looked him in the eye and said something along the lines of uh, good people get what's due to them, you know, and then sort of looked him in the eye and sort of touched him on the face and just made this sort of like you wait comment, uh, wait look. And it was really, it was a good moment.
3: On that note, there's a wonder, one, wonderful piece uh, from Wesley Morris about Annabella Sciorra's performance in Spike Lee's Jungle Fever and how her career would have flourished if not for what circumstances she had to go through when enabling sexual predation in the industry. It's a wonderful piece. You should read that.
2: What did you guys think of the tribute to the troops thing they did? I felt that was kind of strange.
1: Yeah, that was a little unexpected. I, I thought if there was a a certain anniversary, like if it was the anniversary of... D-Day or something. Uh, but, um, yeah, I wasn't expecting is, is that. Is the
0: occasion that Dunkirk
2: is this year? I mean...
0: I, I'm going to say... I appreciate it because I noted in previous years they have acknowledged troops are serving overseas and they haven't done that for a number of years additionally there are so many films, that, that successful films and best picture and Oscar winners which are focused on war and yes that is a way of raising awareness of what so many soldiers go through but directly addressing it in this way I think was I, I think it was a good thing to do and it was the ninth anniversary it was a one it was potentially a one-off I'm I was very happy with it.
2: On the subject of war films um, I think Lee Smith gave a pretty good speech as the sole Aussie winner this year.
0: Yes we had yeah. to do acknowledge the <laughs> One Australian yeah. winner.
2: Can Even to- if I wish Baby Driver won instead. He gave a pretty yes. cool, nice, classy speech. I and thought. I've
1: got to say, I was in an audience full of, full of um, Australians. Obviously, it was the AFI actor screening that I went to today. And when when an Australian won, you should have heard the, the cheers. Because obviously, there were probably a lot of people in the audience who'd worked with him and his team or knew him. And uh, it was quite, quite a joyous scream when he won.
0: Well, we're looking forward to welcoming him home and his Oscar. That was the Oscars for another year.
1: Oh, can I bring up one or two things I did want to mention for you know musical theatre nerds? There was a um, interesting. St- there were a lot of um, interesting stats this year of potential um, record breakers, and they didn't all happen. They didn't all happen. Uh, but Robert Lopez became the first. Ever double EGOT, and that's the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. Now he was the youngest person ever back in his, I think he was in his late thirties at the time, a couple of years ago, was the first person to get all four. But as of t- uh, tonight or today, he was the first person ever to get two or more in each of those. So that's uh, that's quite a that's quite a um
0: yeah, that's a whole other category in and of itself. I mean, there's there's like 14 or something EGOTs, but there's this one guy. Sorry, you're all irrelevant now. There's one guy has got it done it twice. So yeah. Congrat, dude! Well done. Yeah.
1: Pretty impressive. And I do want to put my wish list in for next year. I want um, Tiffany Haddish to to host, um, oh, and, we'll and she I want get the, names to right.
3: we'll get the names right. That I'm cool with that. With Maya Rudolph. <laughs> oh
1: yes, the two of them. Yes, they were, they were, they had great chemistry.
3: And Paul Thomas Anderson carrying my Rudolph's sandals is probably my favourite shot of the night.
1: Excellent. <laughs>
3: yes. So
0: I hope we do see more of them next year. That was the Oscars. We'll be back in a moment speaking about game night. Stay tuned. I have to travel far Remember me Each time you hear a sad guitar Know that I'm with you That was me the best song winner, best original song winner from Coco, which also, I'm very glad, won Best Animated Feature, the one in the category, one of the categories we did not speak about.
3: Yes, I'm disappointed The Boss Baby did not win.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we, we've, we've been hearing a lot from you about this Boss Baby film, Bharat.
3: I still think it's the most politically radical film in the entirety of the Oscars lineup. It just <laughs> People just haven't got it yet.
0: So, oh, it's yeah, um, I, still, I do need to catch it, admittedly, but we're not talking about Boss Baby tonight, we are talking about Game Night. Which is almost which, as good. Which is almost as good, starring Rachel McAdams, Jason Bateman, Kyle Chandler, among a number of others, and directed by Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly, who played Sam on Freaks and Geeks, and has since become a quite renowned actor and writer. And, R- is, uh, you know, this movie has landed them the job of The Flash, Oh. That they're going to be the directing the Flash because they did Homecoming, so this that kind of makes a lot of sense. Did they? Or um, he wrote. He was a oh, writer who wrote wrote Homecoming. Wrote Homecoming. Wrote okay, Homecoming. right. So this is very different from Homecoming. This is a film much better. It's much better. This is a. This is about an competitive couple played by Bateman and McAdams who have a regular weekly game night. They're visited upon by Bateman's uh, younger, successful brother, played by Carl Chandler, who proposes a more amped-up game night where one of the crew will be taken. One of the crew is taken, and you're never quite sure whether this is real or not. Think the game by David Fincher, except it's a comedy. So we all saw this. Uh, Lisa, what did you think of game night?
1: I think it was ridiculous, but in a good way. It was Really, it was great fun. It was silly fun. Like some of the premises were just, you know, ridiculous. But I had a great time. And I think a lot of it is down to Bateman and McAdams great chemistry. They're both such likeable actors. And I just love them together. It was great. I think they were, and the supporting cast. I think last time I was on, we talked about Jesse Plemons, how he's in everything. We did, yeah. <laughs> you can't watch a film without him. But I'm glad was to see him. so good him in this. He amb- so funny. Yeah, he was so um, creepy and he leaned sinister. into
2: his sinister look. Oh, really he was well.
1: he was terrific. So I love that. And um, one of the things I really liked in the visual visual elements is. Uh, the houses in the streets, there were these sort of shots where you'd see the street, yeah. and then it would look a little dollhouse-like. Yeah, like. yeah,
2: it's tilt-shift photography yeah. that makes it look like it's miniatures.
1: Yes, it looked like miniatures. Making very and
2: selective focus. Exactly,
1: yeah. and then when they, when they focused in, it just looked... I thought that was really cute and clever, and it was sort of like a little comment on suburbia as well, their little enclave there. But, yeah, I had... Great, great fun. And I went to a public screening of that, not a media screening, and audience was going crazy, loving it. It was fun. I yeah. guess the
0: way to see it, because it's really like a date night, friends night movie. I could sit home with my mates and just watch this any night. It's, it's really fun.
3: Yeah, it's one of those things where suddenly you're like, oh, my God, I haven't truly enjoyed a corporatized comedy in a while. And you're like, oh, my God, this is what a truly fun movie could be like.
2: This is what studios should be putting out all the time. You know, this is a genuinely funny and in some ways original comedy. It has the feeling of a um, conventional mainstream comedy film in a lot of ways in the way it's you know directed and performed except it's actually funny which is such a rarity these days um, a, a number of other critics have pointed out that it's actually a good script it doesn't seem like it's just a bunch of improv being rattled off with you know there's actually a clever backbone to it um, it's also really well directed I found it's pretty well um, video game inspired camera work in this <laughs> but done well the action scenes are exciting as has been as Liz was saying. The cast is really likeable. Um, I think it's got a great energy to it. Um, yeah, it's it manages to pull off a number of tonal shifts. It goes into sort of dark thriller territory, but it still maintains it, its humour. Oh,
1: yeah, I was going to say that the genre shifts. It's amazing because we've basically got slapstick without spoiling the story there's a something involving a fabergé egg and the editing I've got to say the editing in that sequence is incredible i mean again it's one of those things where plot wise it is ridiculous what's happening and um but people are th- you know basically throwing this thing around and it's so fast-paced snappy snappy direction snappy editing and the genre shifts as you said we've got there's thriller elements there's not exactly horror, but scary scary mm. moments. There's full-on comedy. And then there's that sort of um, romantic comedy trope of you see the couple 10 years ago, so they make them look a little bit younger so to show where they met. And it was just cute, the, the way that was done. Uh, and, yeah, just it was really a lot more fun than I was expecting. It
3: juggles a lot of elements. It was interesting in the sense that you can truly see how something commercial can come out, but still have artistic value. I mean, we yeah. keep bagging Marvel about that. But, you know, Marvel Studios, if you're listening, this is how you do comedy, not the way you do comedy, please.
0: <laughs> we've we've talked a lot talking about private election. I want to bring it up on the air, how excellent an actress Rachel McAdams is. And there's yes. one great. particular mm-hmm. sequence in this film involving... Um, an, an, an injury of another character. Oh, yes. And it's very dark. It's actually very difficult and squeamish to watch. But they the ext- two main performers and it extracts such amazing comedy out of it. Out of the sequence of the Eggers you refer to. And there's just a pretty really great moments. There's, there's a line where... I mean, this parodies a number of day adventure films, including Fight Club, and there is a one line, I don't want to read it, but there's a line where they reference that as well as another film from a very renowned director, and it's just... Came out the same year. Yeah, yeah. What's,
2: what's interesting about this movie is that the pop culture references actually uh, actually work and are done in a way that is endearing instead of just sort of annoying. It doesn't seem like it's just fighting for credibility points. It's not just, you know, like pandering to... I, I get that reference. It's done in a in a clever way that you could imagine these sorts of characters would actually throw around these references.
0: And the thing with the... Yeah, and and it made, it made sense. And this is the thing. Uh, the, all these films that it is instigating or commenting on or parroting, in the context of a dramatic film or thriller, they actually have to suspend so much disbelief. They don't make a lot of sense. And it's much easier to suggest as a comedy.
3: It worked. I, I could watch this again right away. This reminded me so much of uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World in terms of its tonal shifts, energy. the energy, the video game kind of dynamic. And also, I was like, oh my God, this is what is possible within that studio genre, like when you have money, when you have great performances, because I've forgotten how, because everything so bland and, you know, done to death. And suddenly you realize when it's possible to do that, Rachel McAdams, like, where has she been? Why is she not the biggest thing in the world?
2: She's great. But another thing that's great about this movie, you know, the fundamentals of it are so solid. The entire supporting cast all get given moments to shine and funny moments that develop them. You you know, it just gives you just enough information that you care about all of the supporting cast and you want them to make it through these dangerous scenarios. And another thing that's great about this movie is the score is fantastic. It's got this great electronic score, which supplies a lot of energy from Cliff Martinez. Um, It's Pretty much a great technical package and a great script and great performances. Everything across the board is really good. Go and see this movie, which I think feel like the studio doesn't realize how good it is and are
0: underselling it. Yep, go see it. The other performance that we did was Billy McNelson, who is absolutely fantastic. We all recommend it. It is in cinemas now. Um, Another thing that is in cinemas, surely, is Monsterfest Travelling Sideshow. It is a fantastic festival. It's based in Melbourne, but they have, over a few days, starting this Friday, some screenings in events in Miss George Street, so do please check it out, as well as the Art Gallery of New South Wales.
2: Yeah, they're doing a series of films uh, made in 1968. A big one coming up is Once Upon a Time in the West, which is a movie that really has to be seen on the big screen. Um, they've got movies by Francois Truffaut. God, um, what else is on the list? <laughs> oh, there's this fantastic stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's every a, year. it's a really it's yeah th- this program is is a really good one. Also, Obama talking yeah, he'll also be <laughs> at the Art Gallery of New South Wales, but not part of this film program. <laughs> Obama's in a movie.
0: Well, I'd, I'd watch that.
3: <laughs> but also talking about studios not realizing how good movies are, Annihilation is dropping on Netflix. So we'll be talking about that next week. And, by God, I'm just looking forward to that. A lot.
2: Oh, yeah. Kuro Nek- Neko, really good Japanese horror movie, and an Igmo Bergman film, Shame, are also playing Go to the Art Gallery of New South Wales Wednesdays and Sundays.
0: Yeah. Yes. So, so yeah, that is the Art Gallery of New South Wales. Annihilation is next week. It is almost guaranteed to be better than the awful Cloverfield Paradox. Uh, so almost we'll be-
2: certainly, yeah. We'll be reviewing it next
0: week. And uh, So, it is... That has been the Oscars and Game Night, which is in cinemas now. I want to thank Lisa coming back on the show, and you can read Lisa's reviews at Limerick Review. Lisa, thanks for being on Film Fight Club. I have to thanks. Have you back.
1: thanks for having me. I had fun again. Thank you.
0: So, yes, uh, we have been Film Fight Club. Have a wonderful night. Enjoy movies, and we will see you next Wednesday talking about Netflix. And if there is a Netflix film or any film for that matter that you'd like us to fight about or have it out, um, please just shoot us a message on the 2SER page or on Twitter. Let us know because we're up for it.
3: Yes, and Game Night for Oscars 2019. Don't
0: count on it. (laughs) Uh, Could it? Maybe. We hope. Something way more boring is going to win everything. If you're listening, Oscars 91 game night. Have a wonderful night. Enjoy movies. Good night. Bye.